This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time, 12.03. Good to have you with us for the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Personal Finance Wednesday. How couples can even get started talking about those important money issues. Apple is advising all users to update their devices while Microsoft is removing passwords from the equation. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, numbers on industrial production and manufacturing out, along with the latest on import prices. We're joined by Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. You can find him online at andrewbush.com. Andy, I want to begin with import prices. Kind of give us a thumbnail sketch of that and what it may mean about what's going on with inflation. Yeah, this is one of the more interesting stories that's out there. Obviously, the report was that import prices fell for the first time in 10 months. But I think that's just a blip because everything else that we see points to higher prices. Container uh, costs are soaring. They're at these all-time highs, and I don't think they're going to go down anytime soon. There's all sorts of bottlenecks that are out there, especially when it comes to semiconductors, and um, those go into every kind of you know device that we have. So the ones that are out there, there's just a lot of demand for them. So I, I to some extent, I would ignore these import prices that have dropped a little bit because I think as we get towards Christmas, we're just going to see continued demand drive prices higher. And I mean, just explain. I mean, inflation. If it continues at this pace, it's going to get untenable, right? I mean, we sort of hope that it slows. Yeah, and I think that's what's been going on. You know, the Fed has been telling everybody to, you know, slow your roll. Don't get excited about this. But yesterday, the Federal Reserve of New York listed the consumer expectations for future inflation. And that came in really hot at about 5.2%. And that's truly, that that's the expectations. That's really where overall the Fed should be very concerned because consumers start to build that into their behavior and into their wage, uh, you know, asks, you know, for higher wages. So I think we're going to continue to see inflation be fairly strong well into 2022. And the challenge with inflation is you, you you really never get rid of that, right? Because you don't want deflation where in mass prices start going down. No, definitely not. I mean, it, it's a balance, right? You, you don't want to have too much deflation or low prices because that, that becomes problematic as well. Money gets hard and you can't um, earn enough to, to, to really uh, pay for the, the additional things. And it's the same thing on the upside to some extent. I know that sounds a little confusing, but um, when inflation really gets gripped into the economy, people start to build it in their expectations. They start building it into what they would be willing to pay for, and they start speeding up their spending to buy things faster. And it really propels the cycle going forward. That's what happened in the 70s before we had a, a Federal Reserve, a, a, you know, Paul Volcker raise interest rates to 20%. No one wants to go there, right, Cisco? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, right. Industrial production, uh, quickly uh, talk about what we're seeing there and its significance. Yeah, I, I, again, here's one I would discount because it's for August. 
Um, it did show its slight moderation. It was it was up uh, overall. We're we're finally past where we were in February 2020. But I would point to the New York Federal Reserve manufacturing data that just came out today, and that shows a big surge. I mean, a, like a big growth surge and a big growth in um, uh, prices and expectations for future prices. So, it, to me, it seems like we're going to continue to have growth, but inflation remains a real problem, just as you pointed out, Cisco. Thanks so much, Andrew Bush. You can find him online at his website, andrewbush.com. Apple has issued an urgent update advisory while Microsoft moves toward a passwordless future. Let's get the latest from Adam Levin. He's the co-host of the podcast, What the Hack, with Adam Levin, also author of the book Swiped. Adam, let's begin with Apple here. Uh, Ordinarily, if I understand this, ordinarily, you need to click on something in order for a hacker to get in. This sounds like they don't need you to click on anything in order to take control of your phone. Right. Hi, Cisco. Yeah, that's true. This is what's known as a zero-click vulnerability. It requires absolutely no action on the part of the target. And once the malware is sent via something like iMessage, it can infect the drive, grant access to the camera, the microphone, intercept communications, including encrypted messages. I mean, this is serious stuff. And so what is Apple doing? I, I mean, do they, they already have a fix? Is, is that what's going on before they even talked about this? Yeah, what they did is they, they issued a fix. They also have determined that about 50,000 devices over the years have been targeted by this particular malware called Pegasus. It was developed by a group called NSO, and they're famous for helping governments spy on journalists, dissidents, or whatever the government wants to spy on. And uh, uh, so it's out there. Now, look, does the normal person really have to worry about this? Probably not. If you're James Bond or Jason Bourne, maybe you do. But the problem is that any time a vulnerability is created or discovered by the bad guys, it can not only be used by certain organizations for governments, but it also can be used by hackers against other people of interest if they find that vulnerability. And so a company like Apple has to really step up the alert. Hey, uh, download this update because updates come along all the time. And a lot of times people just ignore them. No, no, this is one where you can't like flick away like a mosquito that's bothering you. You really, really do have to download this update just in time. I mean, this is, again, when a vulnerability is found, organizations that are responsible will develop and implement uh, patches. And it's up to us. Sometimes uh, we have to, you know, do the clicking ourselves to make sure that the update is done as opposed to an automatic update, which a lot of updates are. In light of this and all the threats out there, talk about what Microsoft is doing, trying to go uh, passwordless. Yeah, well, you know, for years, people have fetched about passwords. Also, people have a tendency to use the same word, a password across the universe of accounts. And uh, uh, this is a way to help people either try to not have to remember 43,000 passwords or to use stupid passwords. It's a way to help people get off the password addiction. And they've created sort of a passwordless approach to this. I mean, uh, Google has an authenticator app. Microsoft has an authenticator app. And this is where it changes the code uh, every minute or less, depending upon what the, the integer is. But again, uh, at the moment, this really is Microsoft for Microsoft, and then Google has for Google. 
And the issue really is, how are we balkanizing this, this passwordless process so that, you know, it's like what's in Rome is Rome, what's in New York is New York. It's kind of like a situation where um, it's, it's not a universal authenticator. And I myself have used authenticators, but I've had a situation where if something goes wrong with your authenticator and it doesn't sync up properly to the site that you're trying to authenticate yourself to, it could sometimes take you a week to get back into that site. So use long and strong passwords, get a password manager, use two-factor authentication, and uh, sort of ease into this new passwordless world. It's the right thing ultimately to do. We're evolving in the right direction, but we're not there yet. Thanks so much for all the latest. Adam Levin, co-host of the podcast, What the Heck with Adam Levin. Up next, a new factor driving up the cost of cars. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Car prices have been at record highs. There does not appear to be any relief in sight. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, John McElroy, automotive industry analyst, host of Autoline.tv, based in Detroit. Uh, John, help us to understand what's behind the increases, why the prices have been so high, and why they are probably going to stay that way for a while. Yeah, this all started last year, Cisco, when, you know, COVID hit and the auto industry had uh, shut down for about eight weeks. And that caused inventory to be a little bit tight. And that and that's when we started to see prices go up. Then this year, the chip shortage hits. Boy, production is way down. It's very tight inventory. And as a result, prices are going up. People are just bidding on what's left there. And there's no end in sight. When you add in some of the bad weather we've seen, like the hurricanes hitting and flooding out areas where cars and trucks get damaged or or ruined, really, it's even adding for more demand. And yet there's just not enough cars and trucks and vans to go around right now. When the chip shortage is done, and you you certainly hope it will be at some point, uh, how quickly can automakers pivot to to really reestablishing a a good supply? It seems like they can't just flip on a switch and make that happen. No, you're right. They they can't just flip a switch. And guess what? It's not just uh, chips that there's a shortage of. You know, the supply chains up and down, the, the whole industry are constrained. The chips are just the most obvious right now. But they will get this ironed out, and they will be able to get back up to speed at a, at a reasonably good pace. It's just that they need all the parts that they have to have to build these vehicles, and they just don't have them right now. So are automakers, regardless of the type of auto, whether it is sort of the cheaper, inexpensive auto or the luxury auto, uh, is this a particular problem for either one of those, or is it pretty much industry-wide? Well, it's it's industry-wide. And what the automakers are all doing right now is they're prioritizing their most profitable vehicles, because as long as they're limited in what they can make, they're going to go to where they can make the most profit, like full-size pickup trucks and SUVs, for example. So there's more of that in the pipeline but it's still really tight all around. Thanks so much, John McElroy, automotive industry analyst, host of Autoline.tv. Still ahead, Personal Finance Wednesday, financial conversation starters for couples. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Kudu. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Olympic gold medalist Simone Biles testifies before Congress about her sexual abuse at the hands of USA Gymnastics team doctor Larry Nasser. Mayor Lightfoot introduces Chicago's new school CEO. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, why it's important for couples to have an intimate evening discussing money matters. Also on the financial front, helping in deciding how many credit cards you should have. Wall Street, the Dow up 261 points. The Nasdaq is up 68. And the S&P is up 34 points. Oil up a little more than 3% back in the $72 range. 75 degrees right now. We may get a few degrees warmer before the afternoon is done. More than three years after former USA Gymnastics team doctor Larry Nasser was sent to prison for sexually abusing hundreds of girls and women in his care, lawmakers are looking at how the FBI mishandled the investigation. Gymnast Simone Biles testified before a Senate committee today. I sit before you today to raise my voice so that no little girl must endure what I, the athletes at this table, and the countless others who needlessly suffered under Nasser's guise of medical treatment which we continue to endure today. The allegations were first brought to the FBI in 2015, but a scathing report from the Justice Department Inspector General released this summer says the agency dragged its feet and failed to respond, resulting in even more victims. An educator who was raised in Chicago is being tapped as the new head of the Chicago public school system. 51-year-old Pedro Martinez says unity will be the way forward for the school system through the ongoing pandemic. So this is the time for us to come together. We have to be united. We cannot be fighting within ourselves. The enemy is COVID. The enemy is the systemic uh, racism we've had in our country. The enemy is poverty. There are many enemies. We are on the same side. Martinez's selection was announced during a news conference this morning at Benito Juarez High School. That's his alma mater. Martinez currently the head of the public school system in San Antonio, Texas. It's 1232. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets heading higher. The Dow up 265, the Nasdaq up 74, and the S&P is up 35 points. Let's find out what's going on. Art Hogan is here, Chief Market Strategist at National Securities. Art, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? 
Yeah, interesting month this September has been, and uh, we have six out of the last seven days uh, uh, negative, and, and but all of that is added up to less than uh, one and a half percent uh, of a downdraft of the SP 500. So today we get a bit of a bounce. I think that was predicated on a couple of better pieces of economic data that came out today, both in the weekly mortgage apps, which had a nice bounce back from last week, but the Empire Manufacturing number. Actually caught a lot of people by surprise. What's important about both of those pieces of data is their September data. And we truly believe the September data is going to start coming in better than the August data did. I think we saw a bit of a downshift in the economy in August because of the Delta variant. And I think that's going to resume in terms of economic activity as we start getting some of the September data. This morning was just an example of how that may play out. Getting a few pieces of data that make it seem like maybe inflation is slowing or is about to slow. Uh, What's interesting is, is that's not necessarily good news for investors, right? Well, yes and no. I think that if inflation is slowing because there's a drawdown in economic activity, so demand for some of those goods and services is pulling back, that's not the way you want to see it. You want to see Inflation pulling back because we're seeing an aggregate supply response to the massive aggregate demand we've seen over the course of this reopening and, and post-pandemic time frame. So, yeah, the, the, the August print on CPI and PPI both came in a bit cooler uh, than expected, which is good news. The sequential improvement is what we care about. Um, we didn't really look at the year-over-year numbers because the, the low base effect last, last year's numbers around this time continue to be ultra-low. I think that it's what's important is when we look at some of the important pieces of the of the pullback in, in the uh, inflation reads, really seeing things rolling over. You know, we, we talked about lumber, but certainly some of the industrial metals pulling back, the agriculture pulling back. You know, what hasn't pulled back is wages and what hasn't pulled back is energy, but energy's been pretty volatile for the entirety of this year. Talk about, uh, I never thought I'd ask this, talk about what's going on in Macau, a place a lot of people never think about, and yet it's really impacting casino stocks. Yeah, so China has been on a very uh, strong, restrictive policy across multiple sectors, and they finally got around to the casinos. So they started with the for-profit education space, they moved into some of the big tech space and and, and social media space, and then the online gaming space, and their latest... uh, Attempted regulation is hitting the, the the Macau, which is the only enclave in in China where where uh, casinos and gambling is is approved. And they're really looking at how better to regulate that to make sure um, you know people aren't getting hurt. You know, it's, is is it the, the appropriate thing to do? Perhaps limiting junkets, which is the way you know sort of rich people get over there and are able to spend a lot of money and gamble. So it's a it's a massive regulatory uh, reform that is actually slowing down economic activity in China. So clearly those companies that uh, have exposure like Wynn Resorts, which is down about 19% over the last five days, are going to be adversely affected by that. Likely an overshoot. I don't think China wants to put the gaming industry in Macau in particular out of business. I think they just want to raise their hand and say, we're willing to regulate you too. So right now, it, you know, along with most of the sectors in China, really it's too early to sort of stick your toe in the water and say these things are beat up enough. We don't know how, what sector will be next, and we certainly don't know the limits with which the Chinese Communist Party will go to rein in control of all sorts of industries. And yet that's exactly what investors do, right, is they say, hey, are there any deals here in these casino stocks because they're getting hit? Yeah, and I think that's exactly the, the, the natural reaction. What I would tell you when you think like that is who doesn't have exposure to um, Macau and the two you know big names that are publicly traded that do clearly are Wynn Resorts and Las Vegas Sands. If you look at some of the local players that only have domestic exposure, you're probably better off looking at looking at gaming that way or some of the online guys. 
that you know clearly are, are making a, a a big push here and disrupting the industry. So the you know Penn Gaming and the and the uh, DraftKings, et cetera. But when you when you see a company has outsized uh, exposure to Macau, you, it's likely something you want to avoid until we uh, see how, how how much this dust is going to settle. Thanks so much. That's Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist at National Securities in New York. Up next, Personal Finance Wednesday, working to keep money from causing conflict in relationships. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday on the Noon Business Hour. This afternoon, we're talking about the importance of open conversation when couples discuss money. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Ed Jertson, certified financial planner, founder of Engage Wealth Group. You can find him online at engagewealthgroup.com. Uh, Ed, help us to understand, so you are you know you need to talk money, right? And yet it's always a challenge to get that conversation started. It, it, it doesn't seem romantic. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a fun evening when you start talking money. No, not at all, Cisco. It might be easier for some couples to reach for the remote and binge a couple of shows than it is to discuss money matters. But open communication is critical to achieving collective goals. And having those good, open, candid conversations are so important in terms of reaching for those short-term, intermediate, and longer-term goals. So uh, we, we know we need to do this, and yet we don't, often because it's going to be tense. Maybe we have a disagreement about spending priorities. I mean, how, how do we get this started if we're apprehensive about it? Well, the worst time to start is when tensions are high, right, where there's problems already about money, whether it's about spending or savings or whatever it is. You don't want to have these discussions when feelings are hurt or, again, tensions are high. You want to make sure it's a nice calm day in regards to the discussions. And then you talk about some of the basic building blocks for financial success, things like your spending plan, savings, how much you're putting away in your retirement accounts, managing debt. These are all good key critical areas to discuss either all at once or one at a time. And are you thinking uh, big picture things? I mean, how often and when should you talk about that? A lot of times we get stuck in the everyday. Well, getting stuck in the everyday, actually, Cisco, is really important because, believe it or not, it's actually the day-to-day things that we do, right? So if, if couples go out and they eat out every day or they get delivery, you know, home delivery in their meals at the evening, these are expenses that, while might be affordable today, can really eat away at the long-term savings. So focusing on the day-to-day is just as critical as keeping those big long-term uh, pictures in focus. And do you uh, maybe create some sort of a plan for talking about specific aspects of your finances? You don't want to try to do it all in one meeting. And that's exactly it. So pick a topic. So let's say it's it's your retirement plans. You know, how much money do we want to put into a retirement plan? Which one of the spouses may have a more or a higher benefit when it comes to, let's say, matches in their company retirement plan? And then also importantly, make sure your, your accounts are coordinated. Make sure one spouse isn't replicating the same investments in another 401k or, or 403b. So that's another critical area is not only about how much we're saving, but where those are investments are. So a focus on asset location is also really important. And talk to the couple where they don't really talk about money because one of them, they like the investing, they like keeping track of everything, and the other one doesn't. And so the one that doesn't just kind of lets the other partner handle it all. 
Yeah, and that's okay. We each have our own money DNA, right? The, the habits, the things that we've seen growing up, both good and bad. And just because one spouse is involved in one aspect and the other isn't, isn't a bad thing. But just make sure that, again, there's a commonality in terms of meeting. And, and here's where we're invested and here's why we're invested. Or I'm keeping track of spending and you're keeping track of that. That's okay to sort of bifurcate those roles. But it is critically important to make sure both spouses are on the same page. Thanks so much for all of the insight. That is Ed Jertsen, founder of Engage Wealth Group. That's Personal Finance Wednesday. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. Still to come, deciding what the right number of credit cards is for you. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Most people have multiple credit cards, but what is the right number? Let's get some help. Bill Hardikoff is here, senior industry analyst at cardrates.com. Bill, is there really one number that's kind of one size fits all, or does it depend on the person? Cisco, it really, there is no magic number. It really depends on the person and most importantly about that person's financial responsibility. If they're able to control their spending and are good with their finances, the number of cards really doesn't matter. But if you are a spendaholic, uh, you should probably only have one card. So if you if you have it under control, right, if you're not the spendaholic, uh, how do you decide how many? Does it depend on uh, the, the benefits or, or how much credit you need? I mean, how do you decide? It would really come down to, uh, you know, what kind of rewards you want. There are so many cards out there right now with great sign-up bonuses. You know, they might give you a certain number of miles or a good number of cash back for your uh, initial spending. And if you want to uh, kind of get those enhanced rewards on, say, grocery purchases or airline miles, you should kind of go after a card that kind of satisfies or meets your spending uh, habits. Uh, If you do that, you can really maximize your rewards and, in a roundabout way, help your credit. Well, yeah, that was my next question, credit, because so many people are concerned with that. Obviously, you want a good credit score. That comes in handy in a variety of ways. Uh, does that at all play a role in how many credit cards you choose to keep open? Well, it, uh, if having a good number of credit cards or a, you know some additional credit cards can help your credit score in a couple different ways. One, it can give you a greater uh, credit, credit limit, overall credit limit. That can help your debt utilization ratio. You want to keep that debt utilization ratio, which is really the uh, amount of debt that you have divided by the amount of credit limit that you have. You want to keep that at at below 30%. And if you have some additional credit cards, you can actually increase that or decrease that credit utilization ratio. So by having a greater number of cards, you can actually benefit your credit score. Earlier, you talked about rewards. A lot of those rewards cards have annual fees. Do you have to weigh how many annual fees you want to pay? You know, Cisco, there are so many cards, very good rewards credit cards without annual fees. I would highly recommend uh, people that are, you know, living on a tight budget to never get a card with an annual fee. Probably two-thirds of the cards out there do not have annual fees. You can certainly find a very good rewards card without having to fork out any annual fee.
Thanks so much for all the advice, Bill Hardikoff, Senior Industry Analyst at CardRates.com. You'll find past programs later today, a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.